You are listening to The Beauty Brains, where real scientists answer your beauty questions. And now, here's Randy and Perry. Hello, everybody. I'm Randy Schuler, the left lobe of the beauty brains, and I'm joined, as always, by the right lobe, Perry Romanowski. Hey, Randy. Uh, right lobe. I, 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 I always said I was left. I, right. I get mixed up on which uh, oh. brainy uh, monikers we've used in the past, but that's what I'm going with for today's show. Well, I always like it when you tell me I'm right. So. <laughs> hey, Perry, on today's show, we're going to bust a myth about using Coca-Cola to get a better suntan. We're going to explain how sugar sprays texturize your hair. And we're going to piss off a dermatologist by explaining he's wrong about sunscreens. (laughs) We love to piss off the dermatologists of the world. Oh, So before we get to all that, uh, what's going on with you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing what a terrible consumer I am. Because you know what I'm doing today? What's that? Uh, my wife and I were buying a new car. Oh, outstanding. Outstanding? No, I'm all stressed out about it. Well, it's a lot of money. I, hey, it is. It's a lot of money. In fact, you know, this, this car is going to cost what I bought my first house for. Holy crap. How, how well, much is a Tesla cheap. these days? <laughs> no, I bought a very inexpensive house. I, I, you know, I bought my first house when I was 21 years old. Only for you. Still in college. and things, But anyway... Uh, so we're so we're getting this car. Uh, we went and test drove like I don't know four different models, and now we got this one. But there's something about buying a car, I always feel like they're ripping me off. It's because they are. Uh, really? Of course. I I would I just wish somebody would take my money and then deliver the car to my garage, and then it's all just done with. <laughs> But no, it's this whole process. You got to go in. They got to get their schmarmy manager to explain how the engine differential is going to wear down. Ah, just drive me nuts. I'll be glad when it's all over with. <laughs> hey, the other problem well, is my my car works perfectly fine. Why do I need a new car? Hey, uh, can you do me a favor? What's Remind that? me not to ask you about your personal <laughs> life on the show. I, I'm sorry. I thought we were auditioning for the new car talk. <laughs> We do model hey, why don't we get to the, the uh, yeah? Why don't we get to the beauty news story? All right, which is why people pay attention to this <laughs> show, right? <laughs> All right, here we go with beauty science news. Take the first one. Oh, I yeah, I get the first one. Uh, Randy, I saw this study published in the Journal of Perception that looked at the influence of cosmetics on people's perception of other people, right? So in this study, they had people look at pictures of other people wearing makeup and not wearing makeup. Then they had to rank them for things like attractiveness, dominance, and prestige. I guess the researchers were attempting to find out how makeup affects the perception of social status. And they found that men and women both thought people looked more attractive when they wore makeup. (laughs) Are you shocked by that? Once again, our our tax dollars at work. Yeah. However, women perceived people who wore makeup as more dominant, while men thought they looked more prestigious. Now, they, they did a follow-up study to figure out what was driving women to see other women as more dominant, and they discovered that it was related to feelings of jealousy towards other women who were wearing makeup. <laughs> I guess it made them seem more physically intimidating or, and, and more promiscuous. So, oh, my God. Okay. Tread carefully here because... Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't really know what to make of this study. It just... It, it, 
so wearing makeup influences your social status and perception. I mean, okay. Okay. <laughs> so how does this get published in the Journal of Perception, really? <laughs> or like, who even thinks of this stuff? Well, my question for that next study for that researcher is to be, what happens uh, when you wear makeup when you go shopping for a new car? What does that do for you? <laughs> I don't know. I, it, you certainly don't get more ripped off, do you? <laughs> All right. Well, let me talk about uh, something a little more beauty science oriented, I guess. Uh, there's a new uh, skin lightening ingredient that's approved in the EU or what's left of the EU. It's sort of disintegrating <laughs> right. as, we, as we speak. Uh, but uh, the SCCS, which is the scientific body that governs cosmetics in the, uh, in the EU, they've decided that alpha arbutin is safe. And, you know, that's a skin lightening ingredient. Um, it's not right. as effective as uh, hydroquinone, which hydroquinone, is the gold right. standard. But in the EU, uh, hydroquinone is prescription only because it's got some side effects if it's not properly used. So right, right. the EU has is, is made it a little more restrictive there. In the U.S., it's an over-the-counter active. And it, it does work better than anything else. But again, because of some of those uh, concerns about side effects, people are always looking for the next best thing. And the EU sure. now has officially come out and said, go use alpha arbutin uh, as your skin lightening product. So there you go. Oh, well, well, there you go. Um, and we're, I know we're always looking for skin lightening ingredients. Uh, people say kojic acid, licorice, right, powder, right, right. like vitamin C. Yeah. I think we did a whole show on that, didn't we? we? Indeed we did. Yeah, so go back and look in the archives. We've got some good stuff yeah, there. But, we're not, but now you can yeah. officially use our butin. Yeah, but we're not going to bother you to, to give you the, the link or the show <laughs> number. Just go look. You don't care. That's right. Wait, don't we have our intern doing the, uh, the show <laughs> notes not, for us? That's not what the intern's doing. <laughs> Stay away from the intern. <laughs> How come I never get to use the intern? I told you it's a legal thing. All right. Well, I've got the next story here. Um, and really, this story kind of uh, boils my blood, actually. Oh, I think I <laughs> so know what So the title this is, is uh, A Magic Powder Turns Your Beauty Products into Sunscreen. I could not believe this. I know. The story was published in New Beauty, and it sounds pretty scary, right? This company, uh, they came out with a product called Moss Halo Sun Protection Powder. And they claim that you can just mix this powder into your favorite skincare product to get your SPF. Now, the powder is made up of zinc oxide and, and then some other BS ingredients like willow bark, bamboo, and green tea extracts. But they claim that you can get an SPF of about 15 to 20 uh, by just mixing in their powder to whatever product you want. So the powder is made up of zinc oxide and then some other BS ingredients like willow bark, bamboo, and green tea extracts. And they claim that you can actually get an SPF of about 15 to 20 in just sprinkling this into whatever so, product oh you want. Oh my God, the, this is so disturbing. But the, so the active ingredient here is, is zinc oxide? Right. Well, yeah. And they claim the willow bark and the green tea extracts all do something ah, too. But yeah. They yeah. don't. But okay, so they're, no. so they're using an approved active sunscreen ingredient, zinc oxide. Right. But yeah. what they seem to be missing here is that the effectiveness of a sunscreen depends on how well dispersed those particles are. And especially those mineral sunscreens are extremely difficult to disperse uniformly. Yeah. Those particles agglomerate. So when you, you know, put the lotion on your skin, you just get these hot spots where it's going to... Yeah, you can't just blob it. It's gonna, there's just going to be so all these little blobs. And... I, I, can't, I can't believe that the FDA at some point is not going to crack down on these guys if they are big enough to be spotted by the FDA. It's a small company. 
Yeah, you would think, but uh, you, you know, they uh, they put in their website. They put a claim that says uh, this isn't meant to be, uh, you know, a replacement for regular sunscreen. Yeah, it's still which, which then I'm like, well, what's then the point right, of the product? Yeah, in there? Exactly. That's just rid- so, that's ridiculous. Yeah, actually, I saw a Twitter exchange with the FDA and another uh, cosmetic chemist uh, tweeter, right? And the FDA was sort of punting on this. The, uh, FDA Cosmetics, they have a, a Twitter mm-hmm. feed. And someone had pointed out this product. That's oh. the way I saw it. And the FDA Cosmetics responded to them and said, "Oh, this is a this is more of a drug thing, not the cosmetic thing." Well, so. okay, so kick it up to the right department. Come on, let's get some action, people. Right. Well, you know. Uh, well, I I was impressed that FDA Cosmetics responds to their Twitter yeah. feeds. So. Oh, oh. Interesting. There you go. Well, the bottom line here, people. It, you can't turn your. There's no magic powder that's going to turn your your lotion into a suitable sunscreen. So don't bother. Don't waste your. There money. you go. Hey, this next one isn't really a news story, but kind of some speculation I wanted to share with you and our listeners. Uh, it was triggered by another article I saw about no poo for hair. Right, you know about this co washing. Sure, sure. I I stopped uh, putting feces in my hair a long time ago. It's not feces. It's oh. <laughs> But anyway, Sorry. so Sorry, right, no, so there's no a different trend. No, <laughs> I don't know what websites you're going on. So yeah, so no poo is when you wash your hair with conditioner instead of shampoo. There's also low poo where you use products that just have a touch of surfactants in them. But it made me wonder if there's an analogous beauty hack for your skin. So if you can wash your hair with conditioner, why can't you wash your face with skin lotion? Oh. I, I call it low wash for lotion wash. <laughs> I mean, think no, I'm, I'm not being totally flippant here. The analogy holds up pretty well. Both conditioners and lotions contain some emulsifying surfactants. It'll have a little bit of cleansing property. And then they'll right. have a lot of lubricating materials like fatty alcohols and silicones. I mean, I wouldn't expect a lotion would deep clean your skin, so it's not going to remove heavy makeup. But you know, again, it's just like doing a quick clean with your on your hair. If you're just trying to remove sweat and oil and you want to freshen your face and you don't want to risk drying out your skin with surfactants, it seems like this low wash might be uh, worth a try. I don't know. Hey, man, that's not... I don't, you know what? It sounded really stupid to me right <laughs> away, but I think that idea is kind of growing on me. <laughs> Let, maybe we could do a hashtag or something. Make low wash right, happen. Could, so I'm thinking... Now, you looked at facial wash... It, it's not going to work to remove makeup. I said that. Right? But, so then what's the point of a facial wash? <laughs> but you could use it as a body wash. I could see that. Yeah, okay. Either way, sure. No, that's better. That's Tell right. me it's better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I'm sorry. You know, on days when I'm making a big purchase, I get really insecure. <laughs> Couldn't you uh, just Uber it? Do you really need to have a car? <laughs> You know, I don't really need a car. That's the problem. Uh, but you know what? This this nice new car, oh, it's, it's going to be beautiful. Speaking of beautiful, uh, I know that people spend millions, maybe billions of dollars, trying to fight the signs of aging. Mm-hmm. But in reality, there are pretty much only two lifestyle choices that you can make that are going to have the most significant impact on the way your skin looks, right? Okay. So number one, always use sunscreen when you go out in the yep. sun. And you know what number two is? Don't smoke. Don't smoke, right. Smoking and sun, they cause wrinkles. Mm -hmm. Uh, At least if you're going to smoke, smoke in the dark. (laughs) Exactly. But smoking also causes skin discoloration and and all kinds of other stuff. Now, the problem is 
once you start smoking, many people find it really hard to stop. I'm, I'm glad I gave it up when I was in second grade. <laughs> <laughs> I used to hang out with these kids who were in eighth grade. My, my parents had so many kids, they couldn't pay attention to us Perry. all. Perry, yeah. back to the show. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I was digressing into my first cigarette. Well, <laughs> anyway, the, the problem is it's, it's hard to stop smoking. Well, we don't have any advice for men, but for women, <laughs> this latest study published in the journal Biology of Sex Differences suggests that women who want to quit smoking can have better success by timing their quit date with the optimal days during their menstrual cycle. Oh. Yeah, it turns out that estrogen and progesterone modulate addictive behavior. So these ingredients, they fluctuate over the course of the menstrual cycle. So they hypothesize that there would be a, an optimized time during the cycle where the progesterone to estrogen ratio is high and addictive behaviors can be thwarted. So the women in the study were separated into two, two groups, those in the follicular phase, that's the time when menstruation begins until they ovulate, right, that gap of time, mm -hmm. and those in the luteal phase, which is the time after ovulation. Okay. And the results revealed that during the follicular phase, there was a reduced functional connectivity between brain regions that helps make good decisions and brain reason, regions that contain the reward center which could place women in the follicular phase at greater risk for continuing their smoking and relapsing, which is a complicated way to say if you want to quit smoking and improve your skin and overall health, you should do it right after ovulation, but before you have your period. Oh, that's interesting. I, I guess I just have one follow-up question. What's the best point in the menstrual cycle to buy a new car? Was there any discussion <laughs> of that? I don't know. I, I, I'm going to pay somebody to do that study. Of course, that's not going to help me. <laughs> Too late for you. Hey, uh, I just have one final quick one. Uh, it's not really a beauty science story, but uh, researchers have invented a paint that repels urine. Oh, really? Yeah, it's being wow. used on the outside of nightclubs and bars where people tend to relieve themselves. <laughs> oh, uh, and with this new paint, the urine just bounces off the wall and sprays all over the perpetrator. And I, I just I wanted to share that with our female listeners because they may want to use this at home for their husbands and boyfriends. So. <laughs> I, I really think men should sit down when they go to the bathroom. I mean, women do. Men should do that too, right? <laughs> and you never have you never have that problem with leaving the seat down or up or whatever, right? Uh, I think you... it should be a social. It's a social movement. <laughs> hey, is this mic still on? <laughs> I, why don't we get to our questions? Oh, God, please <laughs> let us move on to this week's Cosmetic Questions. Hello, guys. My name's Fernanda, and I'm from Sweden. My boyfriend recently told me a weird fact about Coca-Cola and how it's often used as a tanning accelerator. This made me wonder what it could be in the Coke formula that triggers this reaction and why. If we are able to find the ingredient, maybe this could be used in the beauty industry to create tan accelerating products. We were laughing about doing a patch test on ourselves with different carbonated drinks to see if we can isolate the tanning chemical. But I figured I could try asking you first. Thanks for an awesome show, Grant. You know, well, first of all, thank you for that question, Nanda. You know, when I first heard about this, I, I thought it was just another obscure, ridiculous rumor. But I, it turns out I was wrong. Yeah, it's actually a very pervasive, ridiculous rumor. 
Yeah, I mean, if you Google using Coca-Cola to tan, you get thousands of search results from people raving about the tanning powers of Coca-Cola. You know, people all over the world say that you can get a darker tan if you apply Coke to your skin. Now, my favorite is top 10 myths about Coca-Cola, which just happen to be true. But all the article does is then just repeat all the myths, right? There's not a shred of evidence given there. I saw that one too. There. It cracked me up because in the course of doing the research, I came across that one. I'm like, oh, great. They're saying it's true. Let's see what the reasoning is. It was nothing. Sure, sure. It, was just, it, it just said, just do it. You know? So, yeah. yeah. Silly. Uh, well, an, another website explained it this way. Imagine this. Your body is the skillet, the sun is the fire, and the sugars and caramels are burning on you. <laughs> you know, like... I don't think that's quite right. Even a high-tech uh, explanation like that doesn't convince me. Yeah, I know. Imagine you're a sauté pan. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what about the Coca-Cola company? Have they weighed in on this controversy, Randy? I tried to find out. The only official response I could find from the Coke company uh, was actually on their UK website, where they said, and I quote here, As much as we love Coca-Cola, we really wouldn't recommend it using this way. There is no sun protection in it at all. It's a drink. <laughs> wow. What a way to deny, huh? <laughs> but, you know, that's exactly what I'd expect them to say, regardless of whether they think it works or not, right? I mean, if they did say it works, then someone could try it, get sunburned or sun's, you know, skin cancer, and, you know, they'd be up for lawsuits. It's probably better as a corporation to deny, <laughs> yeah. deny, deny. Uh, but let's look at this. Let's look at this seriously. Is there really any science uh, to, to be had here? Yeah, especially when, when I see something so pervasive, I don't want to dismiss it out of hand, right? So many people around the world believe in this. So l let's take a look at the science. Now, some versions of the myth say, you, <laughs> I'm, I'm open-minded, but I'm already calling it a myth. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, way to keep your skeptical so, perspective. <laughs> okay, some versions of the proposition say that you're supposed to mix the coca-cola with baby oil before tanning well all right if you do this then how do you know it's not just the baby oil that's giving you a darker tan there there is some evidence that oils you know putting oils on your skin can darken tans by reducing the amount of sunlight that's reflected from your skin and and i did find a study to back that up in the um uh, a journal uh it was the journal of american academy of dermatology the article is entitled phyto sorry, phototherapy treatment of psoriasis. So there is some legitimacy to oil having an effect like that. But in this version, you know, maybe it's just the mineral oil doing it. Right. Uh, yeah, but, but let's take a look at some of the other ingredients in Coke and see if there's anything else that might be able to accelerate the tanning process. So the product is pretty simple. It's just uh, consists of carbonated water, sugar, uh, caramel coloring, Incidentally, do you say caramel or caramel? Uh, caramel. I just go with caramel. Oh. Yeah, you're so obsessed with cars these days. <laughs> just... ah, car. I get it. <laughs> ah, there you go. So uh, caramel coloring, phosphoric acid, and natural flavorings, which includes also caffeine. Okay, well, let's, let's break these down. I mean, the water certainly won't do anything, carbonated or no. not. Um, I, I suppose in theory, the sugars could dry on your skin and... Uh, form a layer that reduces reflection of sunlight, sort of like, just like I talked about the mineral oil. I, I don't think sugar right. has the right optical properties to do that. So in, in you know, lieu of any evidence on that, I'm going to say that's not going right. to happen. 
Yeah, but, you know, okay, maybe the caramel coloring could be staining the skin. Mm. I know in working with that uh, dye, I've got it on my yeah. hands, and it does style sure, it. Sure. But, you know, you know, I doubt that the concentration is high enough. I've, I've you know, spilled Coke on my hand before. Right. It doesn't color my hands. <laughs> right. So. And then uh, the viscosity of Coke is so low that you can't really apply like a really thick layer to get a high concentration. So that doesn't appear to be any truth to that either. Yeah, I mean, the, if you think about it, this is just about the worst possible delivery system for uh, any kind of skin product, right? It's colorant it's, or, yeah. It's, you know, water thin. You just pour it on your skin, it runs off. There's, I mean, you need a, a lotion or a cream base that's going to hold it in place to give whatever it is that's working time to work. So. Right. It's a horrible way to try and deliver it in the first place. But anyway, uh, let's see. Oh, phosphoric acid was the next ingredient. That's not going to have any effect. That's just there to control the pH. And lots of products right. have acids in them. So we know that that's not going to yeah. help the tan. Yeah. All right. Then there's the the mysterious natural <laughs> flavors and the caffeine. <laughs> well, here's something I found. Now, this is a bit of a stretch, but stay with me. So um, there's a textbook on sunscreens edited by our, our friend Nadim Shath. Uh, oh. And one chapter in that book talks about a way to boost a tan, you know, which is actually increasing melanogenesis. You know, that's increasing the, the pigment that causes suntans. So, so sure. one way to boost that process is to increase the amount of an enzyme called, or an amino acid called tyrosine that's present in the melanosomes. Those are the, the, the uh, organelles, I guess, that produce the, the pigment. Is that a melanosome? Right, that's right. An organelle? Uh, what uh, is that? No, no, I think that... Tyrosine, it must be an enzyme. No, the, no, 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 no. Tyrosine is an amino acid. The tyrosinase is the, the, is the uh, enzyme. Right, yeah. right, right, yeah. So, uh, anyway. We're going to have to get our resident biochemist. You to... are the resident biochemist. <laughs> oh, but you're too freaking right. obsessed with your car to pay attention to the program. <laughs> it's a big purchase. All right. So, anyway, in, the, in this uh, article I read, uh, one, reacher, one researcher demonstrated that a chemical known as theophylline may directly increase the rate of tyrannase synthesis. So in other words, that would be increasing this tyrosine, right? By triggering, right, this, right. <clears throat> by triggering this enzyme. Now, of course, that work was done on cell cultures in the lab, so it's a long way from proving it does anything topically, but, but at least there's a mechanism. Now, you know, why should we care about that? Well, theophylline is chemically related to theobromine, and theobromine is found in the leaves of the cocoa plant. So that could possibly be part of the natural flavorings using Coke. But since the exact recipe is a secret, we'll probably never know. This is still part of that stretch explanation, <laughs> right? Good, I know. I'm working it hard. <laughs> That's all right. Well, caffeine is another related chemical. So the combination of the two theoretically may be able to boost uh, melogen. Mel <laughs> melanogenesis? <God. laughs> so, melanogenesis? Uh, Is that where you're going? Yes, melanogenesis. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, both caffeine and, and theobromine are alkaloids, so they belong to the same yeah. class of materials, so it's not too much of a stretch to see that they could behave similarly. But again, this is all kind of a house of cards because we don't know if these things penetrate properly. Are they there at the right concentration? Yeah. Um, I I mean, you'd have to prove, you know, a number of other things to demonstrate that there's really an effect on, on the tan here. Yeah, and if there is theobromine in Coke, there's certainly not going to be very much. I mean, since it's only slightly water-soluble, you can only get like about 330 milligrams per, per liter, liter, right? Yeah, so that's <laughs> yeah <not much. laughs> which is not a lot. 
And by the way, theobromine has also been identified as one of the compounds that may contribute to chocolate's alleged aphrodisiac properties. <laughs> so, so really, should we be starting a myth that says Coke makes you horny? <laughs> Well, you know, that's probably a better myth, right? There's at least a little bit more science Better uh, uh, link bait headline for sure. <laughs> well, the bottom line here is there doesn't really appear to be any scientific me mechanism that might explain how Coke could accelerate a suntan. So I'm going to write this one off as mass hysteria. <laughs> I prefer to think of it as a myth conception. Get it? <laughs> Oh, that is awful. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to our next question that comes to us from Allie. And she wants to know, how do sugar sprays texturize your hair? There's a sugar mist product. Cake Beauty has one. And Bedhead has Sugar Shock. How do they work? Well, to answer this, we took a look at the ingredients in these sugar sprays. The Sweet Definition Texturizing Sugar Mist product uh, does contain a sugar extract. It also contains a classic styling polymer called VPVA copolymer, which is what's actually responsible for holding the hair and providing texture. I, I guess the name Sweet Definition Texturizing VPVA Copolymer Mist just didn't have the same ring. It just did not, yeah. Well, you know, that often happens in beauty products like... You know, almost all moisturizers get their moisturizing from petrolatum or mineral right. oil. But the marketing is always about the jojoba yeah. oil or the aloe. And it's, so they, it's sort of a, a bait and switch kind of thing. Yeah. And this, this kind of looks the same, right? Now, the sugar may help a little bit. But if too much is used, it'll, it's going to make the hair sticky because sugar is hygroscopic, which means that it absorbs water from the air. And again, it's the polymer that's doing yeah. all the work. Right. Uh, for the cake beauty product that she asked about, I couldn't find any ingredient list. Um, oh, don't you just love oh that? Oh, my God. <laughs> the, so the, the website and their press release uh, only tells you what's not in the product. I, I cannot <laughs> tell you how much I hate it. That's one of my pet peeves. Um, so yeah. anyway, so it's impossible to tell what's in this product. But if it doesn't contain a true styling polymer like the other product you just talked about, then it's probably more of a texturizing product than a holding product. Yeah, and it's it's going to make your hair feel crusty. Right. I know I've felt dried up sugar. Yeah, like the clown. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, finally, the Bedhead product uh, has sucrose as well as PVP, mm. which is another classic styling agent. You know, most old school gels are PVP based. Right. right. You know what else they use PVP for? That's the ingredient used to hold the M on M&M's. <laughs> Little known fact. You must be a blast at cocktail parties. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> so I guess the bottom line here is that, you know, how do these sugar sprays work? Well, if they're based only on sugar, they may be giving your hair some texture along with some stickiness. Uh, but if they contain sugar and a true styling polymer, then they're probably more like a traditional hairspray product or hair, you know, hair styling product right. with just some sugar thrown in to look good. Yeah, so the sugar sells the product, the polymer makes right. it work. Sugar, like sex, sells. <laughs> hey, uh, before we get to our last question, why don't we talk uh, about some iTunes reviews? Well, why would we want to do that? Well, iTunes reviews helps people find the show. It, it changes your ranks, I guess, in, in iTunes or whatever. It just makes it easier for people to search. And it turns out that people like to listen to shows that other people are listening to. <laughs> 
So, well, you know what? So we appreciate that whenever somebody gives us feedback on the right show. Right now, everybody's listening to this new Fat Mascara podcast. Have you seen that one? It's it's <laughs> no, blowing not. away. Like every other, we're still in the kind of the three to five range in iTunes, but it's definitely yeah. affected our our ranking. Really, this new kid on the yeah, block. Go, just go kind of... listen to it. All right, all right. Well, well. Anyway, let's see what people who have listened to our show are saying. All right. Shadow Dancer says, these guys are great at cutting through the BS and getting to the truth of how beauty products work. Sometimes they do seem to know more about the science than about current trends. I, I wish they put that same effort into Googling trends as looking up studies in journal articles. But, but, but I mean, I appreciate the feedback, but if we did that, then we would be just like every other beauty blog, right? I mean, that's our difference is that we do focus on the science. So I, I don't, I don't <laughs> right. quite know how to do both to the same degree. This is what we do. So I, 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 yeah, I, I wish we knew. No, I wish we knew what we didn't know. It's, it's tough to know what trends mm. we don't know yeah, about. Because I, I kind of think we kind of know well, some we, of the trends. You know, not to get off on this tangent, but we have gotten uh, some feedback from other listeners that we're not quite you know, hip enough on some of the latest trends. And we're, we talk, didn't somebody say we, we, they, we remind them of their dads talking about the beauty business. So damn it. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> so anyway, so no, uh, seriously, yeah. shadow dancer. Th- thanks for the feedback. I just, not, I'm not well, sure I we just, can ever quite get to there. Yeah. I, I just wish our, our audience would send in and say, Hey, you don't know about this. Specific. this, give, or give, this. give us some specifics. Yeah. Okay. We, we love to learn. All right. Here's, uh, here's one more quick uh, review from i4imagine, who says, One of the best. They provide such honest, straightforward information backed with science. It's definitely piqued my interest in skincare. So, so thanks, you guys. Uh, if you haven't already, please, please go write a review yeah. for us. And I should say, the other thing that these iTunes reviews do is uh, we do take feedback to heart and change things up. We, uh, we, we changed our format a little bit today. Uh, you might not have noticed, but trying to make it a little more snappy, although we're running into like 35 minutes already, so I guess that's not really working. Yeah, the show should be 30 minutes long. You spent seven minutes talking about your car, so I, I have an idea what's <laughs> going on here. But all right, let's get to our final question. KitKat says, a well-known dermatologist says the recommendation of a quarter teaspoon on the face and a quarter teaspoon on the neck for sunscreens uh, isn't applicable for physical sunscreens and that you don't have to use that much to get the proper protection. Is this correct? So let me me make sure I understand that. So she's saying that, okay, so we've talked about the quarter teaspoon rule before. So she's saying for UV absorbers, or what some people call chemical sunscreens. Uh, right. I hate that term, chemical term, but that's, that's what people call it. Uh, they're all chemicals. They're, <laughs> for that on. type of product, you need to follow the quarter teaspoon rule. But for mineral sunscreens or physical sunscreens, which are the titanium dioxide, zinc oxide types, you don't need right. to use as much according to this dermatologist. Okay. Well, right. no, I, I mean, I've never seen any data that suggests that's true. All sunscreens require a relatively thick coating to ensure appropriate protection. We, we kind of talked about some, that magic right. sunscreen powder. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it seems to me skimping on how much you apply is not a good idea. I mean, but with claims like this, it's it's always good to it's always a good idea to check out the source material. And I did find the a link to the source material of Kit's question. It was Dr. Neil Schultz on Derm TV. Yeah, I watched that video. I 
It, I got to say, it, it really bugs me that he refers to the mineral sunscreens as chem-free, just to, uh, <laughs> which is like yeah. a red flag. Like, come on. It's it's such a marketing term, but yeah, it's it really just contributes to uh, chemophobia right. and misinformation, yeah. and yeah, it's just not exactly right. Now he does advocate using uh, less mineral sunscreen. His reasoning is that mineral sunscreens are micronized so that the particles are so small that a given number of particles will cover a large amount of surface area. Well, I don't, I'm not even sure I understand his rationale. I mean, it's, it's true that the particles are micronized. In some right. cases are even nanoparticles. But the, the particles of UV absorbers are also very small. Right? I mean... I mean, they're the size of a molecule. Right. So I, <laughs> it's I about as small I, I, as you can. I just don't get. understand his analogy there. So, I mean, it seems to me that proper sun protection coverage, you know, depends on the exact concentration of the actives, the spreadability yeah. of the formula. I mean, th does he offer any more proof than that? Well, in the video, he says, on the basis of personal experience and the use of chem-free sunscreens by many thousands of patients, using less chem-free then traditional carbon-based sunscreens still results in the effective sun protection as well as a cosmetically acceptable experience. Well, so evidence is anecdote. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't <laughs> want to throw down with the world of dermatology, or at least this particular derm, but, uh, you know, his personal experience and the uncontrolled observation of patients still sounds like anecdotal, anecdotal data to me. So, I mean, this, yeah. this may be true, although I doubt it, but I, I can't find any credible source that backs this up. So why would you take the chance on this, right? What, the, the, the upside is you get to use a little less product, so maybe your skin feels a little less greasy. The downside is you get too much solar radiation, which is going to age right. your skin, potentially cause skin cancer, give you wrinkle, on and on. So why would you do it? I I think the most ridiculous thing is that we already know that consumers don't use enough sunscreen. Right. Yeah, so the last so thing you should be doing is, is giving them permission <laughs> to use less. It's like telling pregnant women that it's okay to have wine. <laughs> you know, a little bit, not a lot. <laughs> just, Remind me again, you, you at know. what point are pregnant women supposed to stop smoking? <laughs> you know, my mother stopped smoking when she uh, before she got pregnant with me, and, and that's why I was the smartest kid in my family. <laughs> Hey, you're going to cut that out of the show, aren't you? <laughs> does it, your family doesn't listen to this. What difference does it make? That's right. Well, fortunately, we have thousands of people around the world who do listen. So, uh, But we've run out of questions. We Actually, we still have more questions. We've just run out of time. Oh, there you go. Well, I'm off to get my new car. Uh, all right. Well, I can't wait to hear all about that next week when we once again come back. And until then, remember, we're the Beauty Brains, and we're here to help you with your beauty myth conceptions. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> That's the new side up. All right. Coke time. There's nothing like a Coca-Cola, nothing like a Coke. What do you say we have dinner together? Wonderful. Where? Oh, someplace where we don't have to dress, like your apartment. Coke time is anytime, anywhere.